Hey everyone, welcome to Emotional Duct Tape. I'm Corey. I'm Jamie. And we want to thank you for hanging out with us. Now, uh, we're in the midst of talking about our own personal stories and experiences uh, dealing with grief. And just so happens that today I'm on the chopping block. And Jamie is is the very the least judgiest person I know. So we're going <laughs> to we're going to talk about my experiences with grief and um and, and what what I've been through that remotely qualifies me to have uh, be on this podcast um as a host <laughs> on the chopping block but i won't chop you up yes just 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 finally mint me please <laughs> just just enough so all the flavor like the flavor intensity is much much more there so there you um, go so yeah if i could qualify my grief um today it's really it's I would say most of it is centered around my relationship with my parents. Um, and that sounds really awful. I know, but I'm going to explain myself and explain the process of my life and how I got here and the grief that has molded me into the, the bearded gentleman um, talking to you right now. So uh, the, the very beginning of my life, my mother and biological father were never married. So I was a, I was a child born out of wedlock in the eighties which isn't uncommon, but, um, so my, my relationship with my family has always been a different dynamic than most people's because I grew up with a mom who, uh, waitress, but was still on welfare to take care of me. And I had a father who, um, a biological father who, uh, was around when he wanted to be, when he chose to be convenient for him. And, um, he dealt with substance abuse. So did my mom to an extent, but she was able to be mature enough as a parent and, and micromanage, um, that, that, uh, that part of her life. And so, uh, being a child, uh, growing up, it was, I was fortunate as a young kid to have a dad who was, who was in the same city as me. But, um, when we got older and moved away, then it became more of an issue. So that's really the first part of my grief is growing up, um, with, with, having a father who could very well exist in your life, but uh, chooses not to. So I do want to preface that um, when I was four, my mom married my stepdad and my stepdad is an amazing person. My stepdad is an amazing father. He's never treated me like a stepkid. There's never been that dynamic of, of, you know, evil step parent and rebellious child. He was my dad. He calls me his son. Um, my my son calls him calls him grandpa calls him papa you know there's there's no animosity there but um there was still this void in my life because um regardless of the the physical time spent with my biological father he was still the person who helped bring me into this world so uh growing up it was always very fun to see my dad and it was special and um to, to have those moments. But after a while, um, when I got older, I was starting to become more aware of the reality of his life and who he was and how that was, was taking shape. And then really, um, it wasn't until college that I really fully realized the weight of, of that relationship and how, um, I'll say toxic for lack of a better word, just, just how unstable that relationship was. And, um, you kind of have to grieve that process, Jamie. I know you, you're very close to your, your dad, but um, there's a process that you have to realize and uh, 
this expectation of my life where my father loved me and I do believe my, my biological father loves me. Um, I believe he doesn't know how to show it. I believe he has his own issues that he's not taking care of. And um, I believe he made choices in his life to, to uh, be that way. But it's this expectation of, you know, the person who helped create me, who is really fun to be around with. Um, yeah. I have, I have to realize that I, I don't have that relationship with him. I can't have it with him. Now I was lucky on the other side to have, uh, like I said, my stepdad who, who was able to fulfill the relationship I needed, but um, I still wanted that from my biological father. And um, I think the really significant point in which my biological father and I um, cut terms and uh, where I, I stopped caring as much about him in my life um, was uh, one day in college and I called him to ask him how he was. And I realized he hadn't called me in a while. I said, Hey dad, why haven't you called me in a while? And he said, Oh, you know, well, I've been working a lot and then I have to get home and I have to get something to eat. And, and he listed off these reasons about why, why his life was so busy that he couldn't call me. And the thing he said was, and I have to let the dogs out, you know, and for me, that was like a trigger point because at that point I realized like everything in my dad's life was an excuse. Um, and that that I didn't need that. So I, I cussed him out and I didn't speak to him for probably for a couple of years um, until until I got engaged. And uh, I had to I want to bring my, my fiance to my grandparents house and he he was going to be there. So I had to deal with that. Um, but uh to be honest it's something i still struggle with i didn't actually plan on talking about this on the podcast but if we can't be transparent um you know who can we be and um it's still a point of contention i mean uh after he met my my, my now wife and he was at our wedding you know and there were things okay and um but he still chooses to kind of exclude himself and it's a it's a it's a, a a source of frustration and anger because I, I, I was still hurting and grieving the process of losing that relationship. And now it's a relationship I don't care to have because I know that once I open that door, not necessarily that I'm, I'm worried about having a relationship, but I'm worried about having to deal with, with the way he treats me and, and having to uh, stagger my life, you know, to accommodate, the way he feels. And I, I don't like that. Um, I'm very much a control person as Jamie might tell you. Um, and I, I want to be able to, to control my life. Um, so grieving the loss of that relationship has been, um, a really big point in my life for a, for a few years now. And that's been, um, something that's just, yeah, that's, that's, that's the first part of it. Do you have any questions, Jamie, or anything you want to? Well, you know, I, I appreciate you sharing this side of, of the story that I know is coming um, <laughs> a little bit and, you know, um, and, you know, it, it gives perspective on your feelings, but also, you know, as you're saying all of this, it, you know, I have had some things going on in my head and it's, it sounds to me, you know, that he probably, um, you know, can't, can't be honest. And he wants to probably mend things, but sometimes people go so deep into something the wrong way 
that they just make it worse instead of just turning around and being like, you know what? Yeah, I did that and I'm sorry and let me do better. Um, they just continue to pile on the excuses and the, um, you know, poor actions. And there, there isn't a way to recover from that really. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and there's something about family that we oftentimes allow things because we feel like we owe them something mm -hmm. and um you know but when they haven't given that back or anything back it's it's really hard so i feel for you and i you know i just appreciate you sharing that yeah it's it's uh it's hard because i i want to acknowledge first off the person that i am right now is is shaped in part by what my biological father did 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 do and what he didn't do um for for better or for worse and i've i've been reaffirmed it multiple times in my life but um as much as i missed a relationship with my with my biological father um in a lot of ways him staying away from my life and having a a significant influence was probably the better thing he he um he lives in a major city that's a little sketchier um his personality, which I unfortunately have inherited, is very much one of rebellion and won't take any crap from anybody, even if it's a boss, um, which I'm a little better at. But it's hard because there are things that in my life I want to do better, but I find myself falling into these pitfalls that my, that my biological father, um, I, I see myself in him sometimes and I, I don't like it always. Um, and... I joke around that that my son with with my son I I'm, I say I'm jealous of the relationship he has with his father uh, because uh, he and I have such a different dynamic. Um, I still try to be a fun dad probably more than I should be, but um, I'm I'm a parent and I know I'm a good parent and merely for the fact of trying and showing up and that's that speaks volumes. Um, Absolutely. And someone once said to me, you know, it's it's finding out what boundary in your life, you know, and I I'm, I'm I feel like I'm closer to the end of the grief cycle for this specific relationship just because I realize my life is better and easier without him in it. Um, I used to want to have hatred in my heart for my biological father and have this anger because then I knew that he would go to his grave knowing feeling terrible about how he never had the relationship he wants with me. Um, that's really cynical and not very Christian of me, but that's how I've always felt. I'm like, I'd rather, you know, like him go to his grave knowing like how awful he was or how, how bad I, how badly I've, I felt with that relationship. But um, for me now it's, it's realizing the boundary. And right now the boundary for me is him not being part of my life and not, not introducing him to my son. My son's never met him. My son is three years old. And uh, there's lots of things that I just, that even the possibility of being somewhere, you know, I'm afraid to visit my grandparents because I'm worried I might see him there. Um, you know, I try to, I, all these things, like I just, the, the mere thought of being around him triggers me almost like in a really like anxious state. And um, so I choose to avoid that. So I, I think I think some therapy is still needed in with that. Um, but I, I'm at a point now where I can, I can exist in the world, 
not anxious every day, not thinking about that every day. I, I think about it probably a couple times a week, but, but nothing day to day. So that's good. Um, yeah. And that's a, that's a huge thing is that, you know, um, these things can cause an everyday disturbance. Um, but you know, it sounds like you're coming out the other side of it and, um, you know, I, I definitely think that he knows, you know, mm -hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> he knows. And I think he just, there, he doesn't know how to, to turn it around and, and, and there really isn't a way probably at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and for some people, you know, it's, some people don't change um, and some people do, but it takes a lot of convincing. And there's a really profound thing that I heard from Dax Shepard, who has the armchair expert podcast. Um, he's also an actor and all that stuff, but he was talking about that. his relationship <laughs> with his father and uh, his father was an addict and later in life, he was able to reconnect with his father. And he said that, you know, I basically, he said that he, what he regrets is that his father saying he's proud of him carried no weight in his heart. Like, so he kind of mourns the fact that he didn't have a relationship mm. enough with his dad to, and that's kind of how I feel like, even if he says, I'm proud of you or it's a good job, um, it won't matter. It, it doesn't carry any weight because um, there are things my father, my biological father has not done. He, you know, he never got a college degree. He's never been married. You know, um, I don't think he's ever owned his own house. Um, you know, he's, he's worked a lot of odd jobs here and there. And I don't mean to, to besmirch him if he listens to this podcast or anything, but, um, I, I look at my life and the, the success I've had. And I mean, not that I'm a success story by any means, but I think if you look at like what you should do with your life, sort of the expectation of, you know, responsibilities and having a child, getting married, buying a house, um, these are all important things. And, and I've accomplished them, even having a career that, you know, that's existed for, six years in my one field right now it's it's all important so trying to process that um but yeah there there's still there's still a morning you know you, you it never it never gets past you because grief grief is something if, if you ever get past your grief i guess it's a good thing but um then also too you know it's like that memory like you know do you do you still carry that strength if you, if you completely ever negate or like not negate, but forget your grief? You know what I mean? Well, is it getting past it or is it forgetting it? I, I would say getting to a point where the point where it's somewhere, it's like a balancing act. Like where, where can you, can you get in the middle to where you can still let your grief, like your, your processing of that grief be a strength but also enough to the point where it doesn't like it doesn't weigh heavy on your heart. I don't know. I don't know if there's that point ever, um, because I feel like there's always going to be something that weighs on your heart. And um, when something defines you, like grief, um, for some people, it's you. You you want to carry the weight of it, but you don't want it to to consume your life. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so that, that's part one of Corey's, Corey's <laughs> grief. Um, so the next part of my grief, um, we're going to jump ahead. Um, 
and then kind of jump. So we're going to go to the future, then to the past. So strap in the DeLorean, you know, set it, <laughs> cut it to 88 and let's go. Um, so the next big part of my grief um, involves death. And um, uh, my mom uh, unfortunately passed away uh, a number of years ago. So my mom, my mom, obviously uh, I, I hold her in high regard because she was the single parent um and she was part of my life for 17 years i'm 33 now so that means um next year my next birthday my next uh next year of my life will be um half my life without her and after that everything else is more than half my life without her so my mom uh died of lou gehrig's disease she had lou gehrig's uh she got it first when i was in uh high school uh, my freshman year of high school in the spring and then uh for the next, well, I guess for three and a half years in total, she was ill with the disease. Um, my family has a very progressive form of ALS um, in our genetics that uh, most of my family members who have had it uh, have died within a year. My mom was stubborn and my, my dad, my stepdad worked hard to keep her alive because she wanted it. Um, so she was on a ventilator for a good portion of that time. Um, and so I want to talk about that grief a bit because um, death is, death is, is a, is a, um, like, like one of the, the meat and potatoes of grief, but also too, it's, it's grieving the life that you have around that. So my mom, um, you know, I'm in high school, I'm getting to the point where, uh, my life where I feel like high school is kind of the entrance entry level, uh, exam into who you're going to be as an adult. Um, it's the very, it's the start of it. Um, and so to look at my life and have to grow up while also getting ready to see, uh, to bury your mother, excuse me. Um, it's a hard prospect, you know, it's, it was taking care of my siblings more. It was helping out around the house more, which I didn't always do because I was a stubborn teenager. Um, because yeah, defiance, I couldn't be defiant like I needed to as a teenager. Um, uh, then it's also, you know, this, this crazy thing where my mom needed care some nights and we, we used to have people stay overnight and help take care of her, but it got to a point sometimes where it was, Corey, can you stay up with your mom tonight and make sure, you know, make sure her head doesn't fall forward because she can't move her head, you know, uh, if she falls on her ventilator, you got to push her head back, you know, you got to suction her throat. You have to, you know, put food in, you know, put a, put formula in her food tube in her stomach, you know, and. Oh, Corey, mom's got to change her bedpan, so you got to roll her body over, you know, hold her body well while they clean her, you know. It's a very um, – I know for her it was totally embarrassing, and she's not alive, so she can't yell at me now for telling these stories. But, I mean, it's um, it's a very – it's not traumatizing, but for me it wasn't at least, but it's, it's very uh, – unsettling because uh sobering (laughs) it's very sobering yeah it's this reality and my mom i was lucky enough that i got to i was the oldest kid my my young my siblings are about five and six years younger than me so my mom and i got the most time together and even beyond that because uh when i was a child she was the one raising me primarily so like we have a very strong relationship and uh, my mom and I felt very close. My mom, uh, was a very, was a very spiritual person. She believed in God. She was a Christian. And, um, that's something that's always been part of my life too, because of her. So we always bonded over that. Um, you know, my mom was, 
was always proud of me, she says. Uh, but it was hard because, um, you know, when your faith dictates certain things about health and healing um, and you're not seeing those results, it, it can be shattering. Um, I know it was very hard for her to reconcile her faith with um, with her grief and her process of realizing she's going to die. Um, and I think you can, I, I remember the progression just, you know, of her processing this. You know, so this is kind of her story, I guess, too, in a way, but it was her processing her grief and, and learning to be okay with things. Sure. I mean, I imagine, you know, that, um, when you have, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't grow up religious at all, but you know, when you have this faith and, you know, you see God do amazing things and then you are given a disease that you know is going to kill you, how can you, you know, it's got to make your beliefs waver a little bit and, and be very confusing for you, I would think. Yeah, it's it's really hard. My you know my mom one night she um I could like we were at the hospital and so my mom got sick and then uh that fall after she got sick she went to the hospital because she she was uh, had like a mild heart attack and then we were gonna lose her and that's when she went on the ventilator and then she was in the hospital from November to March um in 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 a, in a, a city about an hour away from us. So one night um, when I was over at the hospital staying with her one night, I remember waking up a little, I hearing like her crying and she's like, where the, where the F is God, you know? And she, she was very distraught and she talked about how, you know, she wanted to see me graduate and she wanted to be able to teach my siblings about the birds and the bees <laughs> and like my sister, it's like helping my sister, like telling my sister about her, the the you know her time of the month and everything and like all these things that really seem very silly but my mom was was heartbroken my mom's goal was to be able to walk see me walk walk down the the high school aisle and get my diploma and she didn't never got that chance um but uh you know she, we were lucky enough that she got to die at home um surrounded by us and uh that but and we can kind of move on to that now but it's the, you know, the funeral. Um, and I remember, um, I don't know. I, I think it was a personality thing. I think half of it was faith, but, uh, when it came to the funeral, you know, it was, I kind of put myself aside and I said, how can I be there for my family? How can I look at people who need it most? And, you know, I would go hug people and everyone's like, how are you? How are you okay right now? Like, I'm just trying to put on a brave face. And I think I was okay too, because I knew that was the right thing to do. It wasn't me like denying my grief at that point. Um, but after the funeral, I, I never really properly grieved my mother's death. And it wasn't until about a year later, actually just under a year later that I was uh, at church and I was playing a funeral. I mean, I was on the, the, the church band and I was playing at a funeral for uh, someone in our church and um, seeing that person who died of the person died of cancer and seeing their body like being ravaged by cancer, it triggered me to my mom. And I remember that once I got done with that funeral, I called, I emailed a professor at college. I started my freshman year of college saying, um, I need to take a personal day. I had to play a funeral and I, I need a day. So I went, I went to the grave site, my mom's bit where she was buried and 
for the first time in a year, I actually cried. Like I actually let myself cry and feel something, um, which wasn't necessarily a healthy thing, but I think it was good that I finally got that out and processed it. It was really hard, um, you know, and I, I've, I've never been one to hide my emotions, but it was just strange how it all came and hit me like that. Um, and I've been able to grieve my mom's death and I, I can still, you know, I still get emotional. I'm surprised I'm not crying right now, honestly. <laughs> I am. <laughs> JB and I were recording. I look up at JB and she, I, I was looking at myself the whole time, like a vain idiot. I look over at her, she's crying, but yeah. So I, you know, I lost my mom and, and I was able to cry. And now, um, you know, I've, you know, there are days where I get really triggered and I watch a movie that we love together, you know, or I watch a scene like Home Alone, the end of Home Alone, where he sees his mom again, you know, and I, I just lose it. And my wife mocks me for that one because she's like, you cry every time. I'm like, I know I cry. It's a, it's a very sweet part, you know. And so there's movies like that where you watch where, you know, it's a parent passes away or someone dies. And um, that's a whole mourning process, too, because sure. – as my life gets more and more complex in terms of where I am in my life, not necessarily the things going on, but um, there's more I got to mourn. So uh, I graduated high school without my mom, had to mourn that, had to mourn um, getting my high school or my college diploma. I had to mourn my mom, my mom never getting to meet my wife, which my, my, my they would have been in cahoots together big time. Um, uh, I have to mourn my son never getting to know his grandmother who would have loved the crap out of him. Oh my God. She would have been like my sister and I joke all the time about how intense my mom would have loved my son. Like it's scary. Like it's, it's so funny. <laughs> do, you, do you, you know, think about it all. Like, I don't know. I like to think that the people that I've lost still see things. I mean, I don't know. Do, do you ever get signs that you feel are from her or, you know, anything like that. Because, um, like, of course, if these things are like horrible to do without without a parent, you know, and then technically you're doing it without two parents. And, um, you know, but I strongly believe that there is an, an element of them knowing, you know, you know, I, I don't know. I've, I've never really thought about that kind of stuff. I mean, people say, you know, like, oh, you know, the the, the wind blew in my face when I was thinking about your mom. That's how I knew it was her. You know, I, I don't necessarily believe in those kinds of things. Um, but for me, I, I know that my mom, who she was and her personality and how much of that I have my as, as a person, um, I know that that I am I am her in a way like I mean half of my genetics, you know, are her. So, I mean, um, you know, people at church have, you know, said, you know, you, you shine like your mama, you know, and that, that's like really special. And so, um, that's really important, but it's, yeah. So I, I mean, I, I know that if she were here, like I, I sometimes have these, these dreams in my head of my mom coming back, you know, and she's, I, she's, it's like, she's been gone, you know, for, 17 years 16 years and i have to explain to her um you know i have to tell her about how we had a, our first african-american president and how she would like bruno mars <laughs> and like <laughs> that's really cute how, how can i condense you know my like the what the world has been like for the past 16 years without her 
Um, you know, and, but, uh, I know that, I know that who I am is somebody she'd be proud of. I know I haven't made, I've been perfect. God knows I haven't been perfect, but I believe that she would like the end result where I am right now. Sure. She might not, she might not like my beard because she didn't like facial hair, but sorry, mom, that's, that's, that's not going anywhere. Um, but also too, you have to realize it, that's part of grieving too, I guess, when it comes to death is that looking where you are now and realizing that your life was defined by your grief in some ways. So if my mom hadn't died, I may have gone to a different college. I may have um, had a certain mindset and a certain belief and certain things that would have dictated me to another direction. I may, you know, I may, I may have a child by now. It may not have been my son, you know, because uh, I may have never met his mom. And there's all these things that you you have to. Like you have to mourn that they're not there, but you have to also acknowledge that your life would not be what it is if your mom had been there, you know. And um, and I'm I've reconciled that, uh, you know, as much as I'd like to be able to, like I I would, you know, if if I could have like a day with her just to like again just to tell her what's been going on and let her spend a couple hours with Harrison, you know, I, I would gladly do that. But I I don't want to change what. I don't want to change the end results. Um, I just wish the, the 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 means of getting there was was a little less uh, severe for me. But um, that's something. I'll, but that's another part of the grief too. Now we're going to go back in time a little bit because um, my mom, as much as I love her, and and you can tell that with this conversation, um, my mom has had some demons. You know, she. Uh, I don't want to 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 besmirch her good name because she was a wonderful lady she loved me i don't doubt that she was a good mom my mom had her own set of issues and her own trauma that she never dealt with um sexual abuse physical abuse mental abuse verbal abuse um some from her family some from outside sources and uh, my mom never knew how to process that so that looking back now as an adult and looking at my childhood and trying to reconcile the good that my mom was versus the, the bad that she, that, that was inflicted in her, in her life. Um, you know, it, it does kind of sour the, the experience of grief and trying to remember my mom in a good way, because sometimes there are days where all I can think of, do is think about her and feel anxious about the time she would get mad or, or be too, um, uh, too like every, everything was, all her anger as a parent would be like how it affected her. Not necessarily um, was it about correction. It was more about how she was taking it. So there's, there's a part of that too. Um, not, and I don't want to get too much on that because I don't think, I don't think it's relevant, but. I don't know. I, I really think that this is an important thing to talk about. Um, and I'm really glad you brought it up um, because um, I, this is, you know, at least for me, something I've, I've really had a hard time with in losing the people that I've lost in my life, um, you know, to death, uh, is that I still have these, you know, and it's not, it, actually, I'm like, I'm glad you brought it up because it, it's actually making me feel like a little validated and in my feelings as well. Um, of, and I, and I, and I've seen it, you know, in, in my experiences too, with other people who knew the people that we've lost um the bad things that they did were the things that you know that that were negative um for us still happened and you know it's it's 
it's almost harder when the person is gone because you can't reconcile and you can't tell them how you made how they made you feel um you know so this is a very I think you know in hearing you say it and knowing that I've experienced it and seeing it with other people guarantee a lot of other people have felt this way so I'm actually really glad that you did bring it up and that it you know and and you 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 may think that it's not relevant but but it is um you know because it's part of that grieving process of this person's dead I feel bad that I'm still upset with them (laughs) you know what I mean but because they're dead doesn't mean that it didn't happen yeah that, that's a really good point yeah i mean my mom um i have a lot of good memories of my mother and lots of memories of smiling and having having laughs together and but um yeah you know with with any good with any good thing in your life you also think about the bad that goes for any relationship um you know i i worry one day you know like what you know what are people gonna think about me for the negative like one day when i die you know what i mean um but yeah, I, I don't. I recognize that that she was a flawed person, that she loved me unconditionally, um, but I, I know that she had her own demons that she was trying to to face, and um, I, I just feel sad for her because she couldn't get the help she needed. She never went to counseling or therapy, and she leaned heavily on her faith, as I do. Um, but I think that uh, her faith perception. Uh, was was dictated by other by by other people in her life who were were good were good people um but they were also flawed so this kind of cyclical world of of you know trying to trying to be a person but having this voice in your head and then now i've been able to process all my grief um in part because of my faith um my mom my mom was a Christian. I'm a Christian. Uh, and I know that might turn some people off right now. I don't mean to turn anybody off, but, um, I, am not, I'm a non judgy Christian. I'm one of those types. I, I love on you no matter what. So it doesn't matter if you're, mm-hmm. if you're any sort of person who is not straight, white or married or male, I don't care. I love you. Let's be friends. <laughs> um, but, uh, my mom, her faith, that's what kept her going. That's what gave her stability in her life. And so I can't fault her for, adhering to that even to an extreme sense because that's what she needed to exist in this world and for me my faith is different than hers it's it's uh defined by different factors and it's it's rooted in something i believe for myself and so um yeah that's that's the the gist of my story i think you know and um my, so I guess my like my grief is my my parents are my grief, you know, um, in a lot of ways. But um, <laughs> there are, they think there are a lot of people's grief, <laughs> <laughs> and maybe you'll be Harrison's grief. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, then the truth is like, and that's another part of it too. You know, it's like we're all like if you're a parent or if you decide to be become parents one day, we're all going to mess up. We all mess up our kids a little on some level. You know, either we hug. It's them not intentional. Much. It's not <laughs> intentional, no, but but we're. <laughs> we're imperfect people and we're trying to put out this pro this, this thing in the world that is strong, is kind, compassionate, empathetic, but it's, it's almost impossible not to drag your own issues along in that process of raising a child. And I think I've done a pretty good job of separating my issues. I still have flaws, but um, yeah. So I think that's, that's my story in a nutshell.
Yeah, you know, what I really pull from this, um, you know, first of all, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, it's, you know, and I know I didn't do any of this, but, uh, you know, as as your friend, I hate that you've gone through this, that you, you know, have to, you know, push forward without her and, and, and everything, um, you know, but um, what I really like about, you know, your story and how open you are is that, um, you know, you portraying that, you know, for you, the the grief and getting through it, um, you know, your faith has been really important in that process. Yeah. And something that I'm hoping in continuing our podcast is is showing these different perspectives, right? Because like, you know, I, again, I'm not, you know, I didn't grow up religious. Um, I feel like I'm a very spiritual person. Um, I do have a, a belief in a higher power and, um, you know, I have some interesting beliefs, um, you know, but what you're sharing and what you're showing, I think may help other people who, you know, haven't tried something like that. Um, it doesn't just because it's not something that everyone believes doesn't mean that it can't be an option. Um, and that's, I think that's, that's where I'm going with this. And um, I have to, I have to go find it, <laughs> but I, I actually was gifted a book um during one of my losses and it's definitely um got some bible passages and some you know more passages of faith but honestly it's i would recommend it for anybody um it really helped and so you know i just i i i love that you and i come from such different backgrounds even though we share in similar situations um you know when we started this i think that's the, that's what we what we wanted was to show the different ways and open people's eyes to how people grieve and and mourn and how they get through it and and options for that and so it's awesome <laughs> like yeah well, what i what i would say then too is that really what it comes down to is um i think all of us need it is hope Yes. And I, I think that finding hope in some way, um, some people will choose religion and faith um, and a higher power, which is which is a good thing because you need hope. But you need to find something to anchor you that will give you hope in this life because if you have no hope, if you just sit here and, and look at all the bad stuff in your life, and I mean, this is, I guess, speaking to it's my religion aspect of it all, but it's thinking that, okay, I live on this earth. This, this happened to me, this happened to me, this happened to me, and my life is terrible. It's not going to get any better, you know, then if you have no hope that in anything, whether that is the afterlife or reincarnation or, or that, that your life can, can be changed, um, you're, you're, you're going to go through life with a really, um, and there are people who do have that, like the very, a very hard mentality and it's hard for them to exist and um, they feel very defeated. They feel like they can't win, you know? So hope, hope is, hope is the menu really. That's, that's what you want. So. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, 
so the the book that I was that I was talking about it's called Healing After Loss. I figure I might as well just plug the book right now because honestly, it's 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 fantastic, um, a fantastic resource, and uh, you know, um, so basically what it is, it's 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 by Martha W. Hickman, Healing After Loss, and it's daily meditations for working through grief, and basically. Every day, I mean, I'm showing this to you. <laughs> Just visualize it in your head, folks. Uh, every each page is a different date, uh, and it has a a small passage on on grief, and um, you know, but they're very positive and uh, definitely, uh, I think, can help you find that hope. Um, actually. <laughs> Ironically enough, I just opened up this passage and it says, the hope and joy we have known help us believe in the possibility of hope and joy again. Mm -hmm. Love never ends, never. So, you know, pretty beautiful, profound, you know, simple but profound. And exactly what you're saying, you know, there are, it's important to focus on the hope um, in these situations. (laughs) Uh, because things do get better. Yes. Uh, Yep. It does get better. Um, you know, and, uh, if you've lost somebody in your life and I, I, I want to stress this, you know, it, it sucks for us because we're on this earth, you know, we're, we're, we're left, you know, we're, we're in this world. I should say we're, we're left to, to feel the feelings, to, to, to be sad, to be angry, to be, you know, depressed. We, we have all, we, they, they get, they get to be done with every, with, with, with the, the, this world's problems and we still have to face them. But um, the reality is that the person who you loved, the love, they loved you back. And that love is still inside you. Like I, I do believe like, the love my mom had for me carries in my heart to a, a stupid degree. You know, and it, it, it's, 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 it goes, it's, it's uh, channeled through me into people's lives, whether that's my wife, my son, my family, complete strangers, people I meet on TikTok who I start podcasts with, um, the love <laughs> and, and that crying that, again, <laughs> that, 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 that connection is profound. I mean, so it, it's there, you know, and, and don't lose sight of that. It, it's important. So, that's that's all I have to say about that. Thank you, Corey. <laughs> yes, well, um, thank you for tuning in to today's episode, everyone. Um, uh, sorry if I made anybody too sad. I know Jamie's over there a little, little, <laughs> little, little misty-eyed. So, yeah, um, but in a good way, in a good way. I mean, what you just said really, like, I don't know, hit me deep. <laughs> I, I can't believe I talked about this much, honestly. I didn't expect to, to drop it, but if, if if I can't start this, if we can't start this podcast with, with some heavy lifting, um, <laughs> then really, then what are we doing? So It's important for the healing for all of us, and that's why we're doing this. Exactly. All right, everyone. Well, we will uh, sign it off now. Um, thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you later. Bye.